1: Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit SleepingDogsMovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's SleepingDogsMovie.com slash
0: Welcome to episode 443, uh, which is a best of rerun of an episode from 2011 with my guest Rob Delaney. Uh, Today's episode is sponsored by Squarespace. Turn your great idea into a reality with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easier than ever to launch your passion project, whether you're showcasing your work or selling products of any kind. With beautiful templates and the ability to customize just about anything, you can easily make a beautiful website yourself. And if you do get stuck, Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer service is there to help. So head to squarespace.com. slash mental for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code mental to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. I want to also give a shout out to uh, our sponsor, betterhelp.com. They provide online counseling. I'm a huge fan of it it's been helping me weekly for years if you want to try it i highly recommend it go to betterhelp.com slash mental make sure you include the slash mental so they know you came from this podcast and just fill out a questionnaire they'll match you up with a betterhelp.com counselor and you can experience a free week of counseling to see if online counseling is a good fit for you and you need to be over 18. today's episode is also sponsored by the calm app we all know that stress is a mofo and uh, it's a part of life. And so let's face it and let's find a way to deal with it. Calm is the number one app to help you reduce your anxiety and stress and help you sleep better. More More than 40 million people around the world have downloaded it. If you guys go to calm.com slash mental, make sure to include slash mental, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, and focus, including a brand new meditation each day, sleep stories, which are bedtime stories for adults, and they help you relax. Head to the fields of uh, southern France, the lavender fields uh, with Stephen Fry, or explore the moonlit jungles of Africa with Leona Lewis. Uh, their, their, their adult bedtime stories are really uh, cool, really soothing, and I don't know anybody that couldn't use a little more soothing in their life. Um, they also have soothing music, if that's your thing. Uh, if you're into that kind of thing. So right now, you guys, the listeners, get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash mental. That's C-A-L-M.com slash mental. Get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com slash mental. Get calm and stop stressing. And here now is that episode with Rob Delaney from 2011. Our, our uh, interview today with Rob Delaney is uh, a little on the short side for this show. Uh, probably for a lot of shows, it wouldn't be considered short. It's about forty-five minutes. Um, I would have liked to have spent more time with him, but he's a, a super busy guy, and uh, we had to kind of squeeze uh, squeeze this into his uh, his busy schedule. Um, but I'm uh, I think it's a great interview, and uh, and uh, I'm I'm really happy that he was able to uh, to come by. And uh, and talk with us. He's got a, a, a really interesting story, and I think a great perspective. Um, many thanks to the uh, people at the Onion AV Club. They picked uh, our podcast as uh, one of the top ten of 2011, and uh, they've given us great support along the way. And um, I really appreciate that. It um, I feel feel really uh, um, honored to be to be put on that list with uh, with so many other great podcasts and. Uh, and I, I want to thank all of my guests who who helped make uh, made that possible over the last year. You guys know who you are. Some of them you uh, listen to the show. So if you're listening, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um as I've mentioned there is a sur- the website for this show is a mentalpod.com and there's a survey that you can take on there. There's two surveys actually. There's the uh the basic survey and then there's the shame and secrets survey. And I find myself really drawn to the reading. And and you guys can not only take the survey but you can see how other people filled out the the survey. And uh, I find myself really drawn to the shame and secrets uh survey because I relate to so much of what people write what people feel shame about in that in that one and um i want to read one that um i don't necessarily relate to but um it i relate to the feelings that this uh that this guy uh, has he, he his name is caged lion uh, i have people kind of put a nickname down cuz obviously they uh don't want to be referred to by their actual name. He is uh, straight. He's in his thirties. His uh, environment that he was raised in was totally chaotic. Uh, he was the victim of sexual abuse and he reported it. Uh, and he writes, I was terrified that it was my fault. Um, what are your deepest, darkest thoughts? Not things you would act on, but things you're ashamed to admit you think about. He writes, sometimes I think that an abortion would have been the best for everyone involved. It's pretty fucking harsh. We, we, we get some harsh thoughts on this, uh, on this podcast. And, uh, that's right up there. That's, that's some deep uh, deep self-hatred. Uh, what are your deepest, darkest secrets, things you have done or things that have happened to you? He writes, I was sexually abused by my older siblings starting when I was a preteen. After several years, one of them became pregnant. Uh, when this disco- was discovered, social services intervened. I felt that I was to blame for all of it. One day, a state police detective and a social worker came to my house looking for my parents. I was home alone. I just knew that they were there to arrest me. They said they would return later. I closed the door and started to shake uncontrollably. To this day, I get nervous around police. After much chaos, I was living in the same home with the same people, ostracized, and helping to raise a baby that I resented for the first year and loved dearly from then on. The secret was very poorly kept in the family. He puts in parentheses, not at all. Uh, outside the family, everyone suspected and school was hell. I was the uncle for several years until I was sued for paternity and child support. I'm raising my daughter on my own now. I have no contact with my family. I got married, had more children, got divorced. I'm in a relationship now. Do these secrets and thoughts generate any particular feelings towards yourself? He writes, I always feel that I am guilty of something even when there is nothing to be guilty about. I feel like I'm a poor parent I feel overwhelmed most days. I am terrified to move forward with anything in my life. Um, You know, I I encourage, I I don't have answers for 90% of the the stuff uh, on this show. Um, What I do know is sometimes I'll hear somebody's story, and the one thing I do know for sure is that person could benefit from talking to a professional and talking about what is going on and letting some of that steam out. Um, and you sound like a prime candidate uh, who would benefit from going and getting some help. So uh, I, I encourage you. Um, you know, one of the things that, that, that comes up so much in this survey is sex between siblings, um, which I would imagine, of course, people would feel secretive and, and shameful about it. Uh, but I think it happens a lot more than than people talk about. And um and the other thing, uh I think the other reason I wanted to read this this uh survey respondent to was uh sexual uh I don't know what the, the, the word would be, um molestation by females um is so much more widely uh it is happening so much more than people think that it is. I can't tell you how many friends of mine were molested by a female babysitter. Um, and I don't say that to um, to try to take women down or um, make them look bad, but I say it because I think a lot of men minimize it because they think, oh, if you had an erection, that means that you wanted it. Um, and. And that's not the case. Your body can be turned on, and your soul can be um, violated at the at the same time. And I think that that this guy, I, I think that's what he's experiencing. Is you know he's blaming himself just because he got an erection and had sex with his older sister. Um, that doesn't make what happens right. I, it, his letter is a little vague, so I can't really. I'm assuming it's his older sister. Um I don't know if why he would have been arrested for that. It's but I don't think we need to know really any of that stuff to know that he could benefit from going and talking to somebody about this and getting help. And um you know the one thing I if I've taken anything out of all my years of therapy and support groups and psychiatrist visits is the things that I assumed that were broken and irreparable about me were not. They were just unhealed and never underestimate the power of talking and connecting to another human being, especially a professional, to help you turn a corner and to help let a little glimmer of light into that darkness.
1: Everybody I know is bizarrely, beautifully
0: fucked up in some weird way. I couldn't stand you in the audition. I couldn't stand you. Yes, awful. I was drunk. And I learned that I could solve my problems. And said Through violence, since I couldn't communicate. Lonely? Yes. I'm afraid that my genitalia is ugly. That's hurtful. And what was your role in the robbery? I mean, you never knew what you were going home to. I had a jar that had teeth in it. I was a wreck. Other people's teeth? Yeah. I'm here with Twitter monster Rob Delaney. Do you, you do you mind being called a Twitter monster?
1: Uh, you can call me any kind of monster you want. <laughs> uh,
0: Rob and I met briefly at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, probably what three four years ago. We were on the same show.
1: Yeah, I think around four years ago.
0: And um, me uh, having a pot-addled brain uh, <laughs> could uh, can vaguely remember meeting anybody. So uh, Rob had to re- had to remind me when I asked him to come do the podcast. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to, to have come you, you come do it is uh, uh, when I heard you on Sklarbro, uh Country, you had mentioned, you had talked about um, quitting drinking, and 10 mm-hmm. years ago, you had been, was it a car accident?
1: Uh, yeah. I uh, drank into a blackout, as I often did, and I woke up in, not woke up, I mean, I, I got physically got up, but I didn't go, get back up into consciousness. Um, but I drove, I went for a drive and I drove into the department of water and power, uh, (laughs) by the corner of Pico and Fairfax and no one else was involved in the accident, but I broke both my arms, uh, very badly. They had to have surgery on both of them and my legs were damaged. They weren't broken, but they had to be in stabilizers, which are these like kind of ankle to thigh Velcro steel enforced. Socks that, so you can't bend your knees because they had to kind of, they were open to the bone. And so they sewed them up. So none of my limbs worked, and I was in a wheelchair in jail. And, um uh, oh my God. Yeah, and I would, uh, periodically, since I, since my arms didn't work, I couldn't hold on to the, armrests of the wheelchair, and since my knees couldn't bend, they just sort of stuck straight out, and periodically just the weight of my body would pull me down gradually out of the wheelchair, and I would fall onto the floor of the jail, and my hospital gown would come up, and it would expose my uh, private parts to everyone there, and then, you know, whoever was around, you know, guards or other, other folks would just pick me up, put me back in my chair nicely. And uh it was then at that moment that I thought it was time to probably make a lifestyle change. <laughs> that
0: made me the greatest <laughs> opening to
1: the show that we've uh, that we've done so
0: far. Uh, how long were you in jail for?
1: Uh, not long N- under 24 hours oh, um, okay you know a day. I would have been in longer. you usually are in l a if you get a DUI yeah but uh, they were like, we can't. Take care of you. We're just going to bring you home. And then the the, SO2 cops brought me home uh, to my apartment. And uh, I remember my landlady was outside of the building when I got dropped off. And she saw the cops take me out of the back. And I'm in a bloody hospital gown in the leg stabilizers with arms that don't work. And I'm 6'3". And, oh, my face is bloodied from the airbag and uh so bruises and stuff like that. and she's looking at me just stock still with her mouth open and there's cops on either side of me leading me back into my apartment and i look at her and i go everything's fine <laughs> so yeah that's how that
0: uh, unfolded. I lo- I love the the everything's fine when, <laughs> when the elephant is just shitting all over the room. That's yeah. It is, it's, that is its own particular brand of sickness. Mm-hmm. Um, were you raised in a household where uh, emotion and fear and pain wasn't kind of discussed?
1: Not really. I can't point to any of my behavior uh, with booze and say, well, oh, you know, pin that on. You know any bad habits that I was taught by my mom or dad? They're pretty good people. Um, everybody has their hang-ups, you know. Yeah. But but no, you could say what you were thinking or feeling in my house, and, yeah. and it wouldn't be crushed. But you did bring up an interesting point. The, my saying everything was fine, it was I had been trying to quit drinking for years before that. And when it's, did you first know you had a problem? Um, early high school like probably around 15. I got suspended at a young, uh, yeah, at age around 15 or 16 uh, for being drunk in school. And then the guidance counselors and the vice principal were like, you should get help. You shouldn't be drunk in the day as a boy. (laughs) And I thought, you know, relax. But then a few months later, I got like blackout drunk again. And then I thought, I don't want to be like this. And I remember thinking I probably shouldn't drink or I shouldn't drink so much, you know, it started to kind of wrestle with it. But one thing I want to say is that it's funny that, uh, you know, the, my saying everything's okay. Um, that was like, I knew clearly it wasn't okay, but it's good because as I said, I had wanted to quit for so long, but it took getting to the point where I was so messed up that on site, you could see that this was a person who needed real help. You know, like, I couldn't, there was no way to hide it anymore. Yeah.
0: You know, I always I always say that alcoholism is the best uh, prosecuting attorney it, ever because it makes such a convincing case why you should have that next drink, why you're a piece of shit, why oh, you yeah, should yeah, be yeah. in anxiety and doubt and fear, etc. For sure. And you will believe that voice because it warps reality mm-hmm. to to make you believe that and until you are presented with a counter argument as powerful yeah you will continue to drink
1: yeah i mean i'm really lucky i kind of kind of symbolically i had my arms were broken both (laughs) of them you know so i was quite uh powerless and i needed that you know i needed people to look at me to be able to see me from across the street at night in the rain and go that guy's a fuck up like i needed it it had to be just open to the public you know like undisputably this guy's a disaster if he drinks we're all in trouble
0: was the obsession to keep drinking was that still there even though you had known game game over
1: no Because I had wanted to quit. You know, it's like you want to quit and then finally you're like, oh, I get it. I mean, really, I got to the point where you know, especially with somebody who drinks a lot, you can be like, oh, well, sure, I might die. Who cares? Right. But when I realized, oh, wow, my drinking will kill other people if I yeah. keep drinking, then I was like, oh, I don't want to drink that bad. You yeah. know, I was like, because you get to the point where you don't care about yourself anymore, yeah. and that's, no, you know, nobody's going to write about that in the paper. Right. But, you know, oh, really? The drunk guy <laughs> drank until he died? Who cares? <laughs> but if you kill other people, you know, I didn't want to be that. I liked, I liked everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> so uh,
0: we were we were talking before we started rolling. Uh, and you were saying that you you've battled uh, depression mm-hmm. uh, for for a long time. Can you can yeah. you kind of talk about that? Sure. And how, how it manifests itself?
1: Sure. Um, I think the tendencies existed uh, in the past. I can remember a couple dark episodes uh, in my college years. Um, but then after I quit drinking and had been sober for about a year, I think like the fight or flight syndrome kind of powered me through that first year of not drinking. And then once I finally, you know, months into uh, sobriety after all the court stuff was settled, which took months, plus I was sentenced to, uh, I would have had to go to jail for quite a while because my, I drank, um, the blood alcohol level that they got out of me was 0.271. Oh, my God. Which, it's 0.08 is illegal in California. So, 0.271, that's three and a half times the legal limit. And uh, that once you get over 0.20, they just double whatever the sentence would have been for a normal drunk. Yeah. <laughs> like a 0.15 or whatever. Right, right. So... So, I had to go to classes for six months, and I, for four and a half months, I was in the care of the state of California. Uh, I had the choice of jail or uh, jail for a while, or uh, a month in rehab and three and a half months in a sober living halfway house. Mm -hmm. I had not enjoyed jail in the brief time that I was there. So I chose but the other stuff. But did you give
0: it a chance, Rob? <laughs> did I
1: give jail? I gave it the college try. A lot of
0: people don't give jail a good chance. Yeah, you have to. They judge. <laughs> I know.
1: And uh, I figured, well, you know what it was, is even when I was in, uh rehab was totally pleasant. But the halfway house I was in, there were people there who were just getting out of prison and stuff. And there were tough guys. And there was fighting. And I both my arms were broken. So I really had to rely on, like, I had to shore up my mental defenses because I would sometimes have to, like, talk people out of beating me up. And oh so my God. I'd be like, well, here's let's think of some reasons why you shouldn't do that. And uh, they'd be like, whatever, and go beat someone else up but like so i i forgot where i was going with that but i uh we were talking about depression and how it manifests itself and your your history of it and uh So uh, anyway, I'm sure it'll all come back to that. But yeah, so so for about a year into oh right 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 the fight or flight syndrome is what I was saying. So it's it's several almost six months in living in places that were not a house or a home or an apartment, Mm -hmm. and then also all the classes that I was sentenced to, and then all the court stuff, and then all the surgeries because I had to have surgeries on both my arms and uh, they did them one at a time so that i would have use of one arm at a time mm-hmm. so it was almost a year before i was like a regular dude working again and all that and living in an apartment and um so after that um then my mind kind of fell apart And went into, you know, I think what would be called like major depressive disorder, unipolar, you know, very, very bad suicidal depression uh, where I thought all the time of suicide. Even though I was going to, you know, talk therapy and exercising and eating well and working out and not drinking and everything. I mean, I was doing living life reasonably well you know and uh everything that you had control over to improve your mood you were doing you were doing and uh so yeah so then i got uh depressed and it was uh it was a lot worse than jail i i think about about it this way it's uh jail you'll get out eventually you know a broken bone will knit But depression or other mental disorders and stuff are, that's the worst, you know, that's the worst kind of, because that's like a prison cell that you carry around with you, you know, and uh, so after a while. You just need to not feel sorry for yourself, Rob. (laughs) Don't you love that one? I don't. I try not to judge people who say stuff like that. You know, they don't understand, and that's fine. I'm glad. I'm glad that they don't. I wouldn't (laughs) want people to. You know, my ultimate wish uh, when I was going through that, um, and it happened more than once. Um, I had two major like smackdowns in the last ten years. The most recent being like. Three or four years ago, around when we met, I think when you and I first met, right. I had yep. been fine, but just even gay- looking into your eyes threw me into a spiral. And uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, were you on meds at that point? No, I started going. I started. My psychologist said you should see a psychiatrist, and so I did. And uh, how did you get out of the first uh, suicidal? Um, did it just, medication. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The first, the first one. So you sought one, medication. It was so bad. I mean, I did, I couldn't sleep at night. Describe
0: some of the thoughts and feelings that that, that you had for, because there. I know there are listeners to this program that mm-hmm. have never experienced depression and want to understand it better, sure. or at the
1: very least, be entertained. Right. By other people's um, uh, battles. <laughs> yes, I know, and it's funny because as a comedian, I generally try to be entertaining, but uh, right now I think it would be more useful to be honest about this. Yeah. Um, basically, the symptoms for me of depression, and I can only speak to my own case, were uh, were quite physical. Uh, I couldn't sleep at all, and I normally sleep pretty well. Um, but no sleeping at all. I would wake up, uh, and in the morning, and have diarrhea immediately really yep i would go to brush my teeth and when the toothbrush when the bristles on the toothbrush touched my tongue i would vomit i what oh yeah um i felt physical pain uh constantly like a thrumming physical pain throughout my body and my thoughts were just kill yourself on a loop um and thought of Different ways to do that. Why I should do that. How the world would be way better if I did do that. And um, what kept you from from doing it? Because my God, the picture you right. paint. Yeah, it did. It very much sucked. Um, what kept? Did you me, have
0: any kind of support system, a family, or?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would talk. Uh, I would talk to my family, who they live in Boston, and I would talk to them uh, regularly uh, because the funny thing was is that even though I had been a drunk uh, for a long time before that I was always like intellectually curious and I you know I read a lot I loved to exercise even when I was drinking I like to do new things I like to travel Mm -hmm. um, and you know be creative in various ways so there was sort of it was almost like there were embers inside of me. Uh, I've, I've always been like an optimistic person. Mm-hmm. And even though the physical symptoms of depression were unadulterated horror, yeah. um, there was somewhere <laughs> these uh, where I f- felt like, first of all, let me say this, I... I would write down the way that I was thinking, and I'd be like, let's pretend that you're not you for a second. And I would look at them and I'd be like, uh, that's crazy what right. you're writing. You know what I mean? Like, Even though I might be envisioning my head being blasted apart by a shotgun right. or you know, drowning, mm-hmm. I would think, you know what, I kind of am reviewing my life and I'm looking at people, and at no point can I find you know, people being like, you should definitely kill yourself, you know, <laughs> or like, oh, I wish you were dead, you know, it wasn't, you know, there might be people who didn't like me, but there wasn't like a large lobby. Of- this And this wasn't <laughs> on a continuum, this was just kind of a... Yeah, period, you know, now and again, somebody would be like, oh, fuck, I really wish you were a corpse. <laughs> no, that, you know, so... So I kind of was like, all right, look, let's, cause it can be good. Cause we get, I still do. Everybody does, you know, you're, we're, we think, you know, we, we, it's hard to step out of ourselves and, you know, put ourselves in other shoes and, and look at ourselves. And so I thought this seems crazy. So why don't I put it off and I'll try, I'll do what these people are saying, which are, Stay in regular communication with the people that I care about, you know, eat food, even though I don't want to, even if I throw it up, eat it anyway, you know? Um, you literally had no appetite. Oh, not at all. And, oh, like, and, like, sexually, I didn't even think about sex. Yeah. Like, you know, not that I was attractive to women at that point. Like, I was, like, <laughs> I weighed, like, 40 pounds less. I'm not kidding. And uh was, like, just you know, <laughs> sunken eyed had just I remember when they took one of my arms out of the casts. It was so skinny and where they had put in a big plate and my forearm bulged out and they took the they took the cast off and I just started to cry. I was like, I don't have a normal looking arm. Now, it took like two years to like put muscle back on it, like to be able right. to do a push up again, but now my arms as far as I know, don't make people cry. <laughs> I don't cry when I look at them. And <laughs> So I mean, it was, it was awful. And, but anyway, so yeah, so my, I went to a psychologist. I went to, uh, talk therapy and you know what, it would be good at this point to also mention that, uh, I lost my health insurance after the car accident. So I had to, I had to apply, I applied to three wonderful organizations that were just amazing. There was the, uh, MAP, the Musician's Assistance Program, Music Cares, which is like affiliated with the Grammys. Both of them are actually. And then the Society of Singers. And each of them, because I didn't have health insurance, afforded me uh, a little bit of dough to pay for therapy. And I even paid for my surgeries on credit cards. My second surgery I paid for with three credit cards. And it would take me years to pay this off. So... I just mentioned that because were you,
0: were you a musician before this?
1: I sang. That's what I studied in college, and so I did a lot of musical theater afterwards right. and stuff, and they were and I had like made money making music, so so they that was enough for them, you know. I see. And
0: but, but they wouldn't necessarily take anyone applying for No,
1: it. they wouldn't. Uh, okay. but there might be some, you know. I mean, like for example, um and this is not a joke. One of my my emergency room bill uh, was huge of course because uh, it wasn't just like a yes yeah, sew up his thing and send him on his way it was like right. lots of cops <laughs> you know yeah. um, multiple limbs being worked on all kinds of crazy x-rays and, stuff. and so and so that was a huge bill and I remember bringing in I was like I can't pay for this or if I do it's going to take years so they were like well they had a special office for people who have no money that you could go to and I went to them in the hospital, and I brought. And this was like a year after the accident, when I'm still negotiating with all my. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I know this. I know this is boring, and you're probably like, "I wish he would." No,
0: <laughs> no, it's not. Be- oh, okay, because one of the things that contributes to the depression and the hopelessness sometimes is that you don't know a way out, and you exactly. believe there is no way out. So this is perfect. This right. is great. This is okay. exactly what people. Well, need I here. just
1: mentioned this because, like, if you host this podcast because you care about people and you've been through things yourself, and you know, it's funny for like a person like you or I, and I'm sure lots of other people, you would much rather be caught in a bank robbery where bullets are flying then have to pay like a stack of bills. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because like, oh, gunfire, hey, that was neat. You know, serotonin, burp, mm-hmm. I enjoy right. that. But a stack of bills, you're like, oh my God, it's going to take all day. It's like, you
0: know? I always liken it to lifting anvils if lifting anvils also
1: felt phony yeah exactly right so (laughs) so i'm just so i just say this because like the quagmire of all the crap you have to deal with you know and it's good it like if you get a dui you should be tied down and 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 poked at with a stick and there should be many levels of unpleasantness yes but if it also is accompanied with you know like alcoholism and mental illness and stuff you know there's just ways to deal with that. You know, one ingredient is patience. Some days you should do nothing. If you're like, maybe I should go to the, my creditor's house and blow it up with a bomb or just do nothing. That day would be a good thing to do anyway. So uh, I'm mentioning this long, boring, drawn out story because I went to them and I brought three years worth of tax returns to this office at the hospital. And they were like, wow, you're very much are broke. And uh, so there's this group of nuns, in Kansas. How insane is this? And they paid the bill for me. Now, the way that they found out about this is this, there was just like this philanthropic group that was looking for people to help. And they contacted this office. So, I mention that because that's insane, right? And you would never think, oh, maybe some nuns in Kansas will pay my bills, you know? <laughs> but sometimes things like that happen. And so, like, it, it can also be in depression. You'll be like, oh, nothing good will ever happen to me. Yeah. You don't know. Maybe nothing ever good will, but also maybe nothing never bad ever bad will. Or bad ever will. I'm I'm not good at words, but you know what I mean. Like you can't see the you future. You can't predict
0: it. You can't. And the universe is so complex. Yeah. Trying to predict how it's going to unfold it is not only illogical. It's the height of arrogance.
1: It is arrogant, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's wrong. And so, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. There's going to be good stuff, bad stuff. They're both going to happen. So chill out, asshole. And you know.
0: Yeah. Maybe try to focus on the on the good stuff.
1: Yeah. You know because we have magnifying minds and what we focus on grows so and then you extrapolate it out into the future
0: mm -hmm. and uh you know uh, there there is few things worse
1: than the combination of imagination and pessimism oh good god no and pessimism just doesn't make sense you know i don't proselytize i don't try to convert people to my way of thought whatever it is it's not like i have some big elucidated belief system but you know uh, pessimism just doesn't Work doesn't make sense. Ultimately, in the final analysis, yeah, it may feel cool,
0: especially yeah. when you're in your 20s, because you don't risk anything mm-hmm. by being pessimistic. But yeah. uh, it's ultimately it's a dead end street, and it and it just kind of uh, somebody had one time uh, ha- had a uh, an analogy for like hitting your your bottom uh, smoking weed, and they said it's like getting kicked to death by a rabbit. <laughs> and I feel like pessimism is kind of that way too. You don't lose a big chunk. Immediately, but mm-hmm. it just like sandpaper wears away mm-hmm. at the joy of, of yeah. life. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Yeah. Uh, so so you've had this, you were diagno- diagnosed then as being what?
1: Uh, I think major depressive disorder or unipolar whatever Mm -hmm. and And, uh and they put you on meds yeah they did yeah they put me on an ssri a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor and uh did that work it did it did work can Um, you can
0: you talk about what before and what we heard before can you talk about what you began to feel when the meds started working
1: um you know what's funny is like the only like for me there's not side effects to these drugs uh, that I'm really aware of um, that uh, that I don't deal with um, but one weird thing that happened I remember like after like a day after the first or second day I remember I felt like I got struck by lightning and I had a memory uh, of walking to catch the bus home from middle school and uh, it was like I was it was like like psh- and I was there walking down Village Street in Marblehead Massachusetts and like all the smells and sights and everything and that was like whoa something's happening up in synapse town wow. and uh and it only happened once but it was that's like one of that's like one of three major weird things that have ever happened in my brain you know that that um, you know, could have been a small stroke. I don't know, but uh, then I remember very slowly after that. Uh, I never noticed anything weird again after that, other than I very gradually felt better. Um, my poops began to become more solid, uh, less diarrhea. Always a fan of less diarrhea. Always, uh, I would I vomited less and less. By brushing my teeth, the physical pain in my body. Uh, slowly went away. By the way, I love the catch twenty two of vomiting, brushing your teeth. You vomit, exactly. then you need to brush your teeth again. I know, <laughs> and I'm not a model. You know, I was skinny at that point too, so I didn't need to be <laughs> vomiting. Um, but so that happened. Oh, you know, and I noticed women again. I remember jerking off for the first time after like <laughs> six weeks or something. Yeah, and being like, oh yeah, this is awesome, yeah. and uh, you know, never. I hope I'm never depressed again because I love to masturbate. Um, but uh, unless you live in a monastery and you're actively meditating towards enlightenment you know like in this life or something then you should be sexual if you're a person. There's no... Where to stuff that down if it's not that should be healthy. That's kind of like a canary in a coal mine type of thing. Like, you should want to fuck people, <laughs> you should want to jerk off not all the time. It shouldn't dominate your life, but like if your sex is off, you know, people will need to get their fuck on. Yeah. And so, I do think it is sort of a, a litmus test as to my mom has that crocheted on the wall. Yeah, You need to get your fuck on. Yeah. And and yeah, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> is that on Etsy? <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, so fast forward to uh,
0: the meds are working. Yes, uh, you're sober. Yep. What then is the next battleground in Rob's head? Um, I mean, after
1: that, it's uh, let's see. Or is there none? No, I mean, there was one... There was a second depressive episode several years later. Uh, Even though you were on the meds? Well, I went... We dialed it down, Mm -hmm. and uh, so I was on less. Because there's the thing where, like, look, I wish I didn't have to take pills each morning, you know? Uh, And so, you know, ego will come in, and I'll be like, hey, I've been feeling good for a while, why (laughs) don't I, you know? And... Is there anybody that doesn't go through that, that? That's on meds. Everybody, I think, does that. Not that I've met or spoken to. Really? Uh, no, no. That's what I'm saying. I oh, don't. Oh, I, I don't know anyone. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. Everybody uh, at some point tries to go off. Of it. Right. And uh, and that didn't work. You know. I it, we and then the second episode that I had was as bad or worse by a little bit than the first. And uh, it was. It's interesting because I after i needed health insurance right after these surgeries i was like jesus christ united states of america i need health insurance so i had i got a shitty job that had benefits and i started working at a company i got a job as an accounting temp right and then i got hired to be some ad sales guys assistant um at this company and then they wound up uh creating MySpace. so it was working in the dot com wackiness i had health insurance and i gradually just sort of failed upward in this company um i would get passed around from department to department till i wound up being uh i think a director of business development for a division of the company and so i was buying and selling ads and making a lot of money and i i had an office and a skyscraper and it was crazy and I didn't like was, it. Yeah. No enjoyment. No, I hated it a lot. And, um, what did you, you feel, you felt like you should be doing something creative. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I went to college. I mean, I had been, my first professional acting gig was when I was 17. So at this point, um, twenty six seven eight nine so i kind of in the wilderness you know as far as you know my life path viewed from now would look like i mean i'm glad it all happened during that time i got married which was awesome and you know a lot of good things happened but professionally i've fucking hated what I did. Yeah, And uh, so around four years... A little over four years ago now, I was like, fuck it. This one company... I was now at a makeup company. I had left that company and two companies later, I'm director of business development for a uh, makeup company and kind of like took them online. And so that was... Didn't enjoy it. Um and so I decided when that company folded and they laid me and a bunch of other people off, I was like, I'm a comedian now. <laughs> and yeah. so I mean I'd been doing lots of improv and stand up, but I was like, this is all I'm gonna do. And, and you so, had enough money saved up that you could uh that you I could make the leap. <laughs> yeah. And uh I went through that very quickly. Uh, so I had money and it was great and my wife was like, give it a shot. And, uh, yeah. then after a little while we were like, okay, so I've spent all the money that I saved. Um, and it sold like, yeah, I mean, at the, <laughs> I was like ready to, I was getting my real estate license. I took all the classes, but then just kept pushing the test back. I was taking investment classes at UCLA extension. Mm-hmm. I read probably 30 books on uh, all kinds of investing and real estate investing. I was looking at like duplexes and triplexes to buy and stuff, crazy stuff that now I look back. And I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad that didn't happen anyway. So I started doing comedy and um going, doing shows every night, you know, and writing and trying to get hired on shows and stuff, putting together, the packet and all that and um, and it was hard as it is of course you know yeah. and I was fortunate to be able to kind of rely on sort of I sort of hit the ground running in the sense that I had performed a lot in the years past across a variety of you know formats I had been on TV I had been um, cut out of movies mm-hmm. I had I had done a lot you know hundreds of improv shows in Hollywood I had done. Uh, toward the country and doing musical theater and stuff. So I was very comfortable on stage, you know, mm. but I had to, still, there's no shortcut. So I, it took all, it took a lot of work. And after uh, a, a while just, and reducing my uh, medication, then I was just like, Whoa, what's happening here? And I, I went, got into another depression. So we adjusted the medication uh, and added uh, did some experimenting, which was incredibly painful, and then oh, it's the worst. Being between meds yeah. is the fucking worst because yeah. you're going
0: through the withdrawal of the one that w- yeah. that you're trying to get off of, and you're experiencing uh, the side effects uh, of the new one. Because mm-hmm. a lot of drugs you will acclimate to, but there may be months of sleeplessness uh, or a month of sleeplessness with the with the new yeah. one, and and on top of that, you're not even sure. Either Mm -hmm. decision is going to work, and you may be back at square one two months after that.
1: So you got to, yeah, you got to be patient, and you got to take care of yourself during that time. I I just flashed to, during the first depressive episode that I had, um, I read the book when I couldn't sleep. Because if you can't sleep, I don't know if people know this, if you're lying in bed and you can't sleep, fucking get out of bed, you know, don't. Plus, you don't want to, like, associate your bed with sleeplessness. So I'd go read, and I remember one book I read that really helped me a lot was uh, called Carter Beats the Devil by Glenn David Gold about this uh, magician around the turn of the last century. It was so weird and good and detailed and beautiful. I remember that book. That book is like a good friend to me. It was like a book that like yeah. held my hand when yeah. I was really having Isn't a tough that time. is awesome when you find something like that? Yeah. The, the, the Beatles Anthology book was mm-hmm. that for me. Yeah, it's funny. And by on the, the flip side of that coin that I would also like to add is like, if you do deal with depression, and and this also happens, I know, to victims of sexual abuse and stuff like this, there are some things that you should take care of yourself by just not absorbing and not paying attention to like you know like i don't really want to spend i don't want to like make the deposit into my mind of reading too much about like suicide and other stuff like that i try to fight it i might say the words suicide a lot but it's always in the goal of trying to help people not do it you know so so what you're saying is the thing that you find to distract or
0: entertain yourself or to be good to yourself, make sure that it's not kind of feeding what it is you're trying to get exactly. away from.
1: For example, like William Styron wrote a book called darkness visible about mm-hmm. depression. Mm-hmm. And I've heard people read that. It'd be like, Oh yeah. Wow. It really paints a picture. I don't think you should read that if you deal with depression. I would like to go back and unread it. (laughs) Read something lighter, like Sophie's Choice. Exactly. (laughs) Except it's funny that you say that, because Mm. like, literally read Sophie's Choice instead, because although there might be some people who commit suicide in that book, it's just about other stuff. It's not just about depression. So like, you can consume enough writing and film and whatever about depression if you have depression. You can reach your limit. And so I would say be careful with that stuff.
0: Yeah, because while you do want information to help you understand what it is that you're going through, you mm-hmm. you also need something to kind of escape, yeah. escape from it. Yeah. Um you you seem to be a, a person that uh doesn't do 5, you do 0 or 10 with yeah, with things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I often wish that wasn't the case in certain things. You know, I have to be a comedian who th- is very grateful to be making his living from comedy, I, I have done some, you know, sort of self analysis and I have character traits that are responsible for putting me where I am, some of which are positive uh, and some of which are negative, you know, and obsessive and weird. Yeah. Uh, you, I, I heard you on the Sclarbro talking about when Twitter first came out. Um,
0: mm-hmm. you have how many Twitter followers?
1: Uh, right now I have like, Two hundred sixty something thousand, I think.
0: That's fucking amazing. It's and ridiculous.
1: You, and you built them up
0: the hard way. People didn't know necessarily who you were. It's not like mm-hmm. you were a celebrity that people followed over. No. You I was not. you just Tweeted funny shit consistently every single day.
1: Well, thank you for saying that. Um, I we, I will say, yeah. Whether you like or don't like what I tweet, and there are certainly plenty who don't. I I did build that house myself, <laughs> as yeah. it were. You know, um, yeah. So, and I do that too much. I still do it too much. You know, uh, my wife will be like, put that. F- fucking phone down and she's the correct one i don't hear that and i'm like oh you nag i'm like oh you normal human you are correct you know thank you for saying that how often do you say the the right thing to her and recognize that she's right uh, I'm getting better at it. I mean, there's great things about being married and being in a relationship with somebody for a long time where you do get better. Things about the other person that you're like, oh, if that were a physical part of them, I would cut it off with a bone saw. <laughs> you literally are grow to realize that that's actually the person that you must need to be with because they have a lesson that you can really use. You know, yeah. so so my wife is fucking awesome and uh, if we come to um, you know a disagreement about something she's, she's very frequently the correct one I mean, I am too. Sometimes it's not. I'm not some like mouth breathing idiot in the corner being washed by her with a hose and (laughs) brush, being like, "Eh, "Be fit for the world." You know. I mean, she's a person too, but um, she's been very helpful, even in things that are shitty about her. That's what's so great about marriage. Is like. Everything that you do for each other can can be a gift, even if it's yeah. awful. <laughs> can you talk about? Uh, and I don't know if this is a difficult thing to to discuss,
0: but um, what the for somebody out there who lives with somebody mm-hmm. who has depression, do you have any any advice?
1: I would say, uh, or any type of mental illness. Yeah, I mean anything. You know patience in this time is going to be very, very helpful. You know, you're not... Patience you, with that person. Patience with that person. Uh, you can't fix them, you know, so you owe it to both of you to encourage them to talk to other people. You owe it to them to leave for 8, 12, 24 hours at a time if you want, and go hang out with your much more enjoyable friend to be with, Susie. Yeah. You know, you definitely, you have to take care of you at that time because the person living with a depressed person is going through a very difficult thing. Yeah. So you have to be good to you. You have to kind of go through the sort of finances of your relationship and look at all the Good d- deposits that depressed person might have made in the past and been like, oh, yeah, that time we went to New Hampshire. That was fun. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That time he surprised me at work with flowers or, whatever. you know, that I mean, like you literally have to be like, oh, yeah, even though this person is tremendously unattractive, just repellently <laughs> awful <laughs> right now, yeah. uh, you have to sort of take the long view and realize that. Uh, this is one of those difficult times that you knew you would go through when you signed up for a human relationship, yeah. and uh, so yeah, patience, love, and 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 know
0: that you are dealing with someone whose reality is being warped, yeah. and, but believes that that is reality. What what yeah. that warpness, yeah, and, and so give give them a little bit of. Try not to, try not to judge the fact that they are seeing everything through a funhouse mirror.
1: Yeah, and you know, but but the, by the same token, much like the way you would deal with an alcoholic or whatever, they still have to adhere to normal human standards. They might be quote sick, they might be hurting, but they should still eat the fucking meal that you made. They should still bathe. You know what I mean? Like you can't- they should, they should do what they have control over to yeah. try
0: to better themselves. Yeah. If they are just going to sit, you know, on the couch for years in self pity, then get out. They fucking absolutely yeah. get out. Um But a lot of people don't know where, and I'm not saying I know where that line is. But you know, there is a line somewhere between Mm -hmm. when you stick with somebody and when you don't. Uh, But if you're not talking about it with somebody,
1: you're never going to find where that line is. Right. And do you see that forward motion in them? Do you see them wanting to get better? If you do, then you know, stick around for as long as you feel like it. Really, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd say. So, so what? uh,
0: What are the the battles that you're uh, you're dealing with uh, nowadays, if you have any? Uh,
1: Well, I mean, I'm a dad, uh, and I'm a husband, and those are the most important things, you know. Uh, So one thing that's weird about having a kid is, like, your capacity to love another thing is violently stretched out, um, and that's uncomfortable, you know. I mean, like, you literally, I wish that I loved my son less sometimes, you know what I mean? Cause it's like, are you shitting me? Like the amount of feeling that you can feel towards another person. It's true. What they say, you that, that's got
0: to make you feel really vulnerable because you're like, what if something happens to this person I have all this emotion oh exactly in.
1: no literally like my wife and I are like we have to have more now you understand why like settlers had 12 kids because four right. of them were gonna die like right. and I'm kind of not I'm not kidding you know right. it's sort of funny to say that but I very much <laughs> like we gotta oh we're like fuck we gotta have more now Yeah. how many kids do you have one one yeah so and we plans definitely for, need to have more
0: plans for uh, plans for more yes we would like to have yeah. more and uh and, and your th- career has taken off since you've uh I-, I think you may be one of the first examples of somebody. uh having a writing career, uh, kind of take off from Twitter.
1: Yeah. I'm very lucky, uh, because of that, because like I was trying to get hired on every show you can name. I was submitting to, and you know, I'd go through different, get to different levels with each of them, you know, and they, or some of them would be like, Hey, fantastic, you know, or we're not hiring now or we're going to whatever, or fuck you, you suck it out of here, you know, but they're different <laughs> things. And, uh, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to just write anyway. I was gonna. I'm gonna write for me. If other people like it, great. My kind of motivator was like, you don't have to think that I'm funny, but if you say that I don't work hard, then I'll punch you in your figurative face. Yeah, not literal because I abhor violence. Yeah. But I will draw a picture of your face and punch it if you say it. So, <laughs> I the work ethic had to be there. The funny, uh, hope so. You know, yeah. and so that's. So yeah, so gradually that did turn into jobs. Yeah, I did because of that get hired to write on different television shows yeah. and um, that and magazines and stuff. And so and you're currently uh, currently employed right now. Um, I well, it's kinda I it's kind of weird. I. Fig, nominally, yeah. I just delivered a pilot to Comedy Central that I shot and, you know, wrote and produced. and Awesome. So that was great. Um, and then I'm writing a book under contract right now. Uh, That's fantastic. Yeah. So I'm very, very lucky and happy uh, because of those things. Um, but, you know, it, 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 the nature of this podcast, But I, I found out about the book deal and the pilot deal. Both. I found out about the pilot Mm -hmm. then a few days later my no i'm sorry found out about the book deal then literally not a week but three days later my son was born and then three days after that sold the pilot so wow. my life changed very dramatically uh, in the earlier part of this year. And I am glad that it all happened around the birth of my son because the, he's more important than any of those things, you know. They're absolutely great and very important. Right. But speaking of, like, depression and alcoholism and stuff, you know, people that <laughs> people like me can freak out over good news too, you know. Um and so I'm glad that I had that, that my son was born because... When you say people can freak out about good news, how do you how do you mean? Like you can be like go nuts, you know, you can get high, you can go on a spending spree, you can... Because you want more of that yeah, good Yeah, you can screw it up, you know. I mean, it's so easy to screw up opportunities. Um, So that's cool. Oh, and then another thing that I was going to say about when my son was born, I remember being at the hospital and being like, Holy shit, I am definitely going to die because you realize like, oh, you just saw a life begin yeah. and you kind of get in touch with like beginnings and endings and you're in a hospital and I was yeah. like, I'm super definitely going to die. <laughs> and that was comforting. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it wasn't. Like I mean I knew and I had even, you know, flirted certainly with death in the past, but uh knowing seeing a life start was like, whoa, life will also end. And so enjoy it while you've got it. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, I think that's a that's a great note
0: to end on. And I think uh, you are a great example of what can happen if somebody decides to face th- their challenges head on and say to themselves, what do I have to do that can make this better? What do I have control over? Well, I'm going to put the best effort forward I can over those things and then hope that the universe is going to help me with the rest of those.
1: Well, thanks. You know, I try to look at it. I try not to be a victim of dualistic thought. Things aren't good or bad. That I really shouldn't drink alcohol, that's not good or bad. You know, let's let's call it alcoholism to have it be simple. Alcoholism isn't bad. Accepting it or not accepting it, that would be where a bad could come in. You know, I have it, so don't drink. You know, depression, I got to treat it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to hate it. I don't hate alcoholism. I don't hate depression. You know, they're powerful forces. I respect them, you yeah. know, but I got to listen to them so that I can be of use, you yeah. know? And ultimately,
0: I think that's really the 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 best piece comes from feeling of, of, of use uh, that I've found.
1: Yeah, you got to work, you know? I think Chekhov said, somebody asked i like, why are we here? And he was like, oh, to work. And I agree with that. We're not, not here to relax. Yeah. you eat pie. You should eat pie, but we're here to work. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, Rob Delaney, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming by. I appreciate it. I I, uh, I know you got somewhere. You got to. Uh, you got to go to. Uh, but uh, thank you. Thank, thank you for very much. By. Thanks All for right.
1: having me, Paul. And I'm gonna go get the door.
0: I cannot believe it has been eight years since we recorded that episode. Uh, there's still a little bit more of that episode to go, but I want to give a couple of shout-outs to our sponsors for this week. Uh, Today's episode is sponsored by Crazed. It's a new podcast created by the National Mental Health Innovation Center, and it highlights big new ideas in the world of mental health from how to transform mental health treatment to prevention and stigma reduction and the visionaries behind these ideas. Uh, The two hosts are uh, Matt Vogel and Rick Rickadall. Uh, Matt is the Founder and executive director of the NMHIC, and also a former professional stand up. And Rick is, uh, or was, the senior executive at DreamWorks Animation. And their guests are familiar with the impact of mental health, both personally and professionally. And you'll find compelling stories, information about cutting edge mental health technology, and uh, just great dialogue about difficult issues. Guests include policymakers, nonprofit leaders, researchers, technologists, filmmakers, and more. And the ideas and stories presented on Crazed are the kind that you dig and we'll probably be talking about long after you've heard the episode. So you can find Crazed anywhere you get your podcasts or on crazedpodcast.com subscribe, and listen today. Today's episode is also sponsored by Squarespace. Turn your dream into a reality with Squarespace. They make it easier than ever to launch your passion project. They have beautiful templates created by world-class designers and the ability to customize just about anything with a few clicks. You can easily make a beautiful website yourself, and I've done it. It's super intuitive. It's simple. Um, I did want to uh, host my little musical snippets and pictures I've taken of dogs it's uh, paul-gilmartin.squarespace.com and I'll put a link to that under the show notes for this if you want to see it but uh, it's nice Squarespace is just a great product Uh, their e-commerce functionality it lets you sell anything online and analytics help you grow your site in real time everything's optimized for mobile right out of the box uh Check it out. Head to squarespace.com mental for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code mental to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash mental and also offer code mental. And now the rest of the episode from 2011 website, as I've mentioned for the show, is mentalpod.com. There's a forum there. There's the surveys you can take. You can uh, support the show. Non-financially is uh, going to iTunes and giving us a good rating and a good review. That uh, boosts our ranking, and that brings more people to the show, and the show has been growing a little bit every week, and uh, that's that's really cool. It's really nice to know that, uh, that people are enjoying uh, what, what we do here, and uh, that really... Brings a brings a smile to my face, especially on the days when I'm uh, feeling a little down. And uh, I have to say, it, since I've start, gone back on Selexa, the, the last show that we did, I kind of mentioned that I was in this really dark place where uh, suicide wasn't becoming a reality, but it, I was starting to fantasize about it a little bit, and uh, I knew that that was the darkness talking, and uh, so I went back on Selexa. I'm feeling great, and I've just had a really good week of feeling like I am enough. And that is such a great place to be. Um, It takes work. It takes fucking work sometimes to get there and to stay there. Um, And I never stay there. I always slide back. But knowing that I can get to that place is so comforting to know that it is possible to have moments, even days, even weeks or months of feeling like I am enough, I have enough, and and I'm doing enough. And I know that sounds kind of new agey, but uh, that's the... That's the fucking truth. Um, so let's take it out with a, uh, a survey respondent. His name is uh, Jimmy. He's straight. He's in his 20s. His, uh, the environment he was raised in was a little dysfunctional. He's never been the victim of sexual abuse. Uh, his darkest thoughts uh, that I will, it says, uh, you know, not things that you would act on, but uh, things you were ashamed to admit you think about. He says that I will kill my pets, that I will hurt my wife. Um, And uh, what are your deepest, darkest secrets, things you have done, things that have happened to you? He writes, when I was a teenager, I masturbated a lot, often in inappropriate places. Um, And then, do these secrets and thoughts generate any particular feelings towards yourself? He writes that I was stupid and that someone had to have seen me. Uh, Maybe it's just my take, Jimmy, but I... I wonder how anybody can get through their teenage years not masturbating in an inappropriate place. Uh, I'm just going to list some of the places I remember jerking off. Not where people could see me. Uh, you know, it was usually dark. It was usually at night. Uh, sometimes during the day when, you know, nobody's around, but um, backyard, driveway, beach, uh, into Lake Michigan. <laughs> Sorry, anybody that's drinking Lake Michigan water, there's filters. Um, I wonder how many listeners I'm losing right now. Um, And maybe the one that that comes closest to making me feel uh, a lot of shame was in a van of friends Coming home from skiing in Colorado in in high school, everybody was asleep, and it's just those teenage hormones were just raging. And, uh, you know, I had a bunch of blankets covering me, so nobody could see anything, and everybody was knotted out anyway. But yeah, there you have it. Um, it, You know what? It might be easier to actually list the places I didn't jerk off as a teenager Uh, Church, Wrigley Field, and the Hoover Dam. If you're out there and you're feeling stuck, you're feeling ashamed, you're feeling self-hatred, let it go. And if you can't let it go, get some help. Because there is help and there is hope, then you are not alone. Thanks for listening.